0: Well, hello there, Moto America fans. This is Paul Cruthers. I'm the communications manager for Moto America, and this is our weekly podcast, Off Track. I do this every week with my partner in crime, Sean Bice. And this week, we're going to do it alone. Um, boy, you're going to get lots of information, lots of opinion, whether you whether you believe in it or not, or whether you agree with it or not. I'm sorry. Um, we'll just ha- we'll give it to you anyway. So, Sean, how are you today? Hey, I'm really good uh, it's been uh, Indian summer
1: here in central Ohio I know we're we always end up talking about the weather but the I know you and I were talking the other day and it seems like something flip-flopped with uh, are you guys still getting rain out there
0: no it stopped raining but it's 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 clear it's it's just really cold for for what we're used to you know like at night I think it was I think 39 last night or something 40 degrees which for us is freezing but um No, it's, uh, it finally cleared up. We had a lot of rain on the weekend. Well, a lot. I I use some air quotes on that because it's a lot for California, but not a lot for, for most places in the world. But, uh, yeah, it's cleared up. It's just a bit chilly, but otherwise, you know, perfect, uh, perfect days.
1: Yeah. I mean, here it's like, you know, it's a little after four o'clock as we record this on a Tuesday and it's 75 degrees here in, uh, Central Ohio. Um, I guess the entire Northeast is kind of unseasonably warm like this. Usually, you know, obviously uh, uh, Halloween and thereafter, certainly co- moving in on Thanksgiving, it, it gets to be pretty cold and, you know, you start regretting things a little bit, but sometimes it'll get like this and I uh, I'm just real happy about it because it extends the motorcycle riding season a little more and it's the best time of the year to ride anyway. You put a jacket on and go out, but today you don't even need a jacket. Um, I don't look good in a tank top, but uh, I could probably wear one and, and walk around and scare the neighbors. So that would be kind of cool. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm real happy about it. And this, this nice weather gives me a renewed uh, spirit and excitement for our 2021 season. I just cannot wait for it to begin. There's so many cool things that are on the horizon for us. The fact that we managed to get through our, our COVID season and have nine rounds and, you know, all 20 of our Hono Superbike races was a pretty amazing feat. And uh, all credit goes out to our staff um, and what Nicole was able to do to make that happen. Um, it's been been terrific uh even though we had a couple rounds with no fans but we did have rounds with some fans so all in all it was a it was a great season with lots of great racing and a a champion crowned and uh with that champion crowned and moving on that's part of the renewed spirit i hate to get all excited about the fact that cameron Bobier is not going to be racing with us next year but i think he would understand that it's it's pretty exciting for our series
0: with that yeah, um, and I, you know, because of the, because of COVID-19, we were obviously, our, our championship series got pushed back, so our off-season will be shorter than, than normal. Yes. Um, if that, you know, given the fact and based on on what we saw this year, we should be able to is, uh, is get the thing started, you know, on time or as close to on time as possible, which, which uh, like I said, gives us a really short off season um, compared to what we're used to in the past where, you know, we don't go much past September or early September. So the, um, you bring up the championship for next year and and Cameron leaving to go to Moto 2 You're right. I mean, it's, I was thinking about it. Uh, I was thinking about it earlier today. It's like, um, it's almost like the Moto GP situation when Marquez got hurt, you know, right. it opens, it opens the door for somebody else to step up or, Um, like we've seen in MotoGP, where I think they've had eight different first-time winners. um, It opens the door for something like that too. But what I really think it does is it just gives a whole bunch of guys a lot of hope uh, because now suddenly all those guys who are racing for second, you know, in their minds, they're like, okay, Cameron's out of the picture. So basically, we have a bunch of guys uh, that are now racing for the win. So I think it'll it'll definitely adds a little bit more intrigue to it. It's, um, you know, rarely, rarely do you go into a season not, you know, with, with like, okay, who's gonna be Superbike champion. I mean, in the past, no matter how, how they've, um, how they did the previous year, but they've always done pre- the previous year that was always good for them anyway. But going into a season, you always just instantly thought of Cameron and Tony Elias. Yeah. Um, you know, you figured those guys were going to be there. They would do most of the winning, and those two would bat up for the championship. Well, now we've lost one of those guys, and we also have one of those guys who's kind of in limbo as to what he's even going to be doing next year. So it's completely wide open.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, Paul. Let's talk about Tony for a minute. I was going to talk about Matthew, but you bring up this thing with Tony. And I, I was surprised. We've done a couple of posts on social media. And when he announced that he was going to leave uh, M4X star Suzuki – it's amazing how many people, and maybe we even did. We we almost misunderstood the fact that he's not he's not retiring. He's not giving up racing. He's just wanting to try something else. And we you know emphasized that point with him when we had him on our podcast uh, when he was at when we were all together at Laguna Seca and we had him on on there. But we've done a couple of posts since then and reminded people you know you won't be seeing this anymore. Him on a Suzuki. So you know which which bike is he going to be on? And I remember he talked about kind of, I think you asked him specifically about whether it's going to be the blue bike or the red bike. And, and, you know, when we've done these posts, I've been kind of amazed at the number of comments people have made about, Oh, really looking forward to seeing Tony race again. I thought he was all done or something. And, um, it's just funny how people kind of draw a conclusion on that, you know, given the fact that he is a little bit older, he's been racing a long time, but you know, he. This may give him a renewed spirit too, with uh, the playing field being wide open and him being on another bike. Let, let's talk about him to start with, I think, because who knows where he's going to go? We've been hearing various things. I thought maybe it was going to be Ducati. Maybe that's still going to be the case.
0: Um, what do you think? Well, I think it's difficult. He, you know, obviously he started the year so tony like He basically he wasn't a factor until the very end of the year. And, and that was just such a surprise to so many people that it was easy to just sort of forget about him. Right. And my worry is that people were going to forget about him as far as him getting another opportunity on a good team to, to race again next year. You know, there was, there was, I think it was just, I think he just struggled with everything. I don't, I couldn't point to one bad thing or, 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 it's just impossible to figure out exactly what was wrong. But there was obviously just something wrong where he wasn't comfortable and he wanted to make a change and ride a different bike. Now, whether or not he's gonna get that opportunity, we don't know. But I think people who say, people tend to write him off. And I think writing him off is a big mistake. I think a lot of people wrote him off and they probably have unwritten him off after Laguna Seca because he came back and was on the podium in all three races. and he, he looked a lot like the Tony of old and, you know, if Cameron wasn't there, you know, he would have had, I don't know if he was a couple of wins in a second or whatever, but, um, I just don't think like when you look at his body of work, I think last year he won I don't maybe eight races. Um, I just don't think you win eight races one year and then you forget how to win and you're not capable of winning, you know, eight, six months later. I just don't think it happens like that.
1: Yeah, I also think, I also wonder how much of a disadvantage it was for him to, for us not to go to koda to start the year, because we know how dominant he, he always starts the year at that track and on, on a Suzuki, um, you know, maybe, maybe we'll never, we'll of course never know. He was on a brand, a brand new sort of new bike for him with a new team. So was it beneficial that he didn't have to go to that track that, Uh, you know he's sort of the one that's predestined to win it possibly or was it kind of a bad thing that maybe he could have gotten a better start to his season if he had gone there but it it, you know that kind of conspired to change the way his season was too and maybe affected his confidence in the beginning I
0: don't know yeah I mean confidence plays such a big role in these guys Um, you know who knows if he would have gone to Coda and had a really good weekend things could have been different. He could have gone to the, to, to code and had a really bad weekend and things even been worse. Uh, I don't know. It's just, um, I just, he just didn't seem to have that confidence until, you know, the very end of the season. Um, so, you know, as far as, you know, people only remember your last race or your last couple of races, he did himself some favors by, by having a good weekend at Laguna. I just can't imagine if you had a spot on your team, um, that you, he wouldn't be highly considered for that spot, just based on the fact that there's not a lot of guys in our series that have won superbike races. And him, <clears throat> I'm sorry, him and Cameron have won the most. And he's won a shit ton, shit ton of races. And again, I don't think that's something you, you forget how to do. Um, yeah. at Bingley, he's a little bit older, but I mean, he showed at the last race that, uh, that he's still perfectly capable of doing lap times.
1: And he's also shown his versatility throughout his career that he can kind of be on anything, whether it's a Moto2 bike, MotoGP bike, super bike, you know, in the beginning of his career, a smaller displacement bike too. He carries a lot of corner speed. It almost, in some ways, doesn't matter what he rides. He can be fast. He, uh, he's always, I think, liked Yamaha as a brand because of, of how he felt about Wayne in his career and had raced for Yamaha uh, in the past you know, there's an opening there. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if that would happen where he'd fill in that seat that was vacated by Cameron on the attack team or not. Um, That, that could be interesting. The other part of it with Tony is, I mean, he's done, he's been around a while. He's done a lot of winning and he's also collected a few paychecks and also has some clout with some brands. And I wonder if he went to a team would he be able to bring in anything in the, in terms of value from a brand or value from you know what he's made for money? I mean, would be, could he part, partly own a team? I don't know. I don't know how much he's got in reserve there, but you know, somebody that's been around like as long as him, you'd think that he's got some resources there that he can lean on to kind of put himself on a team and, and sweeten the pot a little bit. Would would you think that's true?
0: Yeah, I would think there's there's a lot of possibilities there. I mean, he might also be at a point in his career. Um, I don't know what his financial situation is like, but I don't think he can be too bad off. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's the type that would, uh, you know, maybe take a smaller salary and 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 push the contract more towards bonus money, um, to you know give these guys, to, you know, to show these guys that he's not just collecting a paycheck that he thinks he can actually win and do the business. Um, there could be some sponsors that he could maybe bring to a team that somebody else couldn't bring. So, yeah, I think you're right there. I mean, there's, who really knows? And I mean, nobody knows what, what, what other people are have, what that, what they have going on in their lives. I mean, I know he's had a difficult year, um, you know, from a personal standpoint with, you know, the new baby and he's got the, the, his young son and he's adapting to, to all those things being a father to, you know, there's just a, there's a, there was a lot going on in his life last year and whether that had an effect on him or didn't, I mean, I have no idea, but at least it's something to think about. It's something to consider because he did have a lot of changes go on in his life. So.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I'd forgotten kind of that, but you're right. There were a couple of race weekends where there were things going on with him that it was almost like, how does he put even some of that stuff behind him? You know, I think uh, when he, when he got Got the podium at uh, in, at Indy, right? He got the podium there. There was seemed like there was a lot of drama going on in his in his life, but it, it maybe fueled him to kind of forget about it and and you know concentrate on his riding got better for him and stuff. But um, it's just he's definitely going to be a factor in in where some of these rides end up, and there are quite a few of them out there. Um, you know, Bobby, I, I think we can assume probably that Bobby Fung is going to continue with M4X star Suzuki next year. And Team Hammer, I mean, after winning a championship for him the year before in Supersport, winning three races this year. And, and by all accounts, having a pretty amazing year in, in spite of, you know, Cameron Bobier's dominance. I mean, he did win the second most Superbike races out there. And um, he technically isn't really a Superbike rookie. I lost track of the fact that a few years ago, he was in in superbike with on, on a kawasaki he also did some superstock 1000 and stock 1000 racing within superbike but it felt like this year in in some ways was a little bit of a rookie season for him i think because he was finally on a, a truly top to bottom superbike with one of the major teams in the paddock so all things considered he's he really did a great job this year in in his season and Hopefully is going to continue that for being the lead rider for that M4 X start Suzuki team next year in 2021.
0: Yeah. Again, I would, uh, I would imagine that he would stay put, um, but you, you know, he's also increased his value 10 right. over where it was a year ago. Uh, I don't know what kind of money he makes and it's none of my business, but uh, whatever he was making, I would think he'd be in line for a hell of a lot more than, than what that was. Um, based on the fact that yeah he was he proved this year that he's uh he's capable of winning superbike races and and like we started the show um talking about tony and i mentioned then it's like there's there's not a lot of guys that have actually won races right Right. Um, and and now he's he's one of them and he's won multiple times so it wasn't he hasn't been a one race wonder or anything like that but i would think he's put himself in a pretty good position to either uh, stay where he is or negotiate with another team so
1: yeah you know another one that's one race is one of the few that has and I you know I was going to start out by talking about about Matthew Skolks only because when we did our, our podcast last week with Cam Peterson he reminded me that oh I need to check in with Matthew you know I hadn't talked to him since since Indy really and I wanted to find out not only how he was doing but also what he thought of having Nicola Canepa on his bike and um, there were a couple of things that were, were funny. That I, little bits of, of information from Matthew. First of all, Matthew thought probably Canapa was going to do better than he did, and you could tell was was kind of happy that he didn't do as, he didn't do any better than the sixth place finishes that he had, which I mean are decent. I'm not saying it's not good. And he gave the team a lot of a lot of input, but it's it was funny to hear Matthew basically go, "Well, there you go. I think I think that kind of proves my worth on that team." Um, it's just funny how these guys are. And the other thing that he told me is all this year, I know you probably thought the same thing, Paul, but you know, we're watching these races and with the coverage on TV, a lot of times you don't see Cameron because Cameron, uh, Beaubier, cause he was way up the, the road and headed towards the wind. So they started focusing further back. Matthew got a fair amount of camera coverage because he was battling a lot of times with Jake Gagne or, uh, you know, um, Kyle Wyman. Um, some of the guys a little bit further back and he, he, Matthew got a lot of runner up finishes this year, as well as being on the podium, a hell of a lot during the season. And I, I thought to myself, okay, with Cameron not being there, it's almost like, it's almost like Matthew was sort of leading this race of the other guys. And at the time during the season, we didn't know what Cameron was going to do. But now that we think back at that, and you think if you took Cameron out of the equation, all these, all these races, Cameron would have won. And Bobby Fong battling with him up front, too, who we just talked about. I didn't mean to not mention him. But, you know, it's funny that Matthew talking to him, he thought the same thing. I didn't think a rider would feel that way, but he actually kind of forgot about Cameron a lot of times in those races because he's thinking about who he's racing against, of course. But he also kind of felt like, you know, I'm kind of the leader of all the other guys out here. So you try, you fast forward to this year, and he, he's got to be an odds-on favorite to be one of the guys to win a lot of races if not the championship don't you
0: think yeah 100 percent. and i mean i also understand like you know i don't blame him at all if i was him and i'm sitting at home with a broken leg and i'm watching a guy ride my bike i'm hoping like hell the guy doesn't do very well you know i mean you'd have to be insane not to because these guys are these guys are constantly under threat of being replaced right i mean you know most of us go to work every day and we don't have to worry about somebody outperforming us that day and potentially just taking our job. I mean, that's just not how regular businesses work. Um, they can be competitive, but they're not to the point of like, these guys actually, you know, most of them, I think he's an exception because he was, I think he was on a two-year deal, right? Or did he sign just to sign again? Uh, he, he actually, he was at the end of his deal and he did sign a deal again. Okay. So, so yeah. After he got hurt, yeah, they made sure that they got him signed up. It oh, that's right. Crazy. I remember the press, the press release now. But I mean, what you have to understand with these guys, a lot of them a lot of them are just year to year. And, right. and talk about a job where it's just strictly results-based. I mean, racing a motorcycle, it's like, yeah, I don't blame him at all. If I was at home, there was no way I would have wanted that time guy to come over here and do well. I mean, you want the team to do well. You want them to enjoy the experience, but you only want them to enjoy the experience and have a good race if it's below the level that you've been giving them all year. And, and that's exactly how it panned out. So it panned out well for him because it just showed how valuable he is to that team and how good of a motorcycle racer he is. And you'd have to consider him going into next season as one of the, as one of the favorites. And you also, we, talk, we talked a little bit earlier about how wide open this thing could be. There's also, I gotta caution you a little bit, there's also that possibility that one of them really steps up yeah. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you see it a lot. Like that one guy just says like, Hey, this is mine and I'm going to make it mine from the beginning. And he's, he takes a couple of steps that the other guys don't take. And then suddenly, you know, he's the next Cameron Bobier. And I, I could see something like that happening. And that could be somebody like Matthew that, yep. makes, that, that makes that jump that, or else it, or else it is like MotoGP this year where it seemed like, you know, until very recently with Joan Muir, it, it seemed like nobody, nobody was making that jump. Nobody was going after it. Nobody wanted it. I'm sure they all wanted it, but nobody was doing that extra bit to get it until now. So that could happen in our series too. I mean, from a personal standpoint, um, a selfish standpoint, you know, I would love nothing more than for five or six of those guys to win races and battle the entire time. But it, 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 that doesn't always work out that way.
1: Yeah, you know, this is okay, so I'm going to I'm going to wax a little bit not poetic but maybe a little uh, uh novelish right now if that's a a term but you know, this the the idea of a tale of two cities it was the best of times it was the worst of times, you know, it was obviously the best of times for Cameron Beaubier this year and it wasn't the worst of times for Jake Gagne but man he had a lot of bad luck this year and he just had so many weird things happening whether it was his clutch or something electronic or you know something with tires this that and the other thing and it seemed so odd that that team would have of all you know it seemed like they had these gremlins and the gremlins would always happen to poor Jake and you got to hand it to the guy he kept his chin up he's that sort of guy anyway but to your point about you know he's He's on arguably one of the best teams in the paddock. If they get that stuff cleaned up this next year and, you know, maybe him being elevated to the number one rider and he'll be back because it'll be the second year of his contract with Yamaha. He may be that guy that becomes completely dominant uh, next year, you know, with getting all this stuff out of the way, if they can do it. But wasn't it strange for Jake? I mean, so, so heart wrenching in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had his issues, but then we just got to remember, like, if, if you were just basing it solely on looking at this year, um, if Cameron wasn't here, he'd be champion, so. That's true. Yeah. You know, he, he's, no matter what happened along the way, he, he, he established himself, at least in the championship, as the second best guy, um, so, you, you know, if you're just looking strictly at that, you, you'd have to say that he's the favorite when, when the first race starts uh, next year. Yeah.
1: And I mean, that it's so cool about that. I mean, a guy that, you know, obviously has had a, a pretty amazing career and is still pretty young, but what he was able to do in super sport Daytona sport bike and super sport, what he was able to do in stock 1000 and, and you know, finally get getting this ride with Yamaha's team and being at re acclimated again with Yamaha and, and, you know, had a great, great season, except for those gremlins and things that he had. And and you're right. It, on if you look at it on paper, it, it's a lot better than you think about the, the problems he had. And I'm probably belaboring that a little bit too much, but um, man, if he can, if they can clean that up and it's just that little little extra to get him where he needs to be, he could be completely dominant. But again, it's like, you know, you, there's Bobby, there's, there's Matthew Skoltz, you know, Kyle Wyman had his best season ever this year. He was on the podium a couple of times and you know, looked had some struggles in the middle of the season. Seemed to have have it figured out this next year. And with what was going on with that other Ducati team, Celtic HSBK Racing, and bringing Lorenzo Zanetti, I know Kyle is going to be very, very motivated to get out there and and show even more. I had somebody actually ask me the other day if I thought he was still going to be, you know, racing a Ducati, and I just think there's no question he would be, just by virtue of the sheer uh, investment he's made in that brand. Wouldn't Wouldn't you say that? He's going to continue.
0: Well, yeah, I would think he would continue on the same path that he's on now, unless unless there was one of those teams that wanted to take a shot at Kyle Wyman. True. Um, I, you know, I think he enjoys doing it the way that he's doing it now, where he's the team owner and uh, he chooses the bikes. He, you know, he's the boss of the team. In addition to to racing the motorcycle, but I also know there's a big part of him. That would like nothing else but to fly into a race, and uh, and you know on Thursday make sure that his you know his visors are clean and his leathers are clean and ready to go and doesn't have to think about much else, um, because I know that he believes that, and and I do too. I mean there there has to be some, there has to be, lap time to be found in not owning, the shit that you could potentially crash if that makes sense. Right. Like. It, there's, it's just different for him i know it is and and he, i don't even know that he would argue it but i mean when he when he when he crashes a bike when when we're sitting in the media center and we see him crash a bike i know you're thinking the same thing i am it's like oh man i hope the bike's not too messed up right because i'm just thinking of him thinking you know he's watching that thing cartwheel through the kitty litter and all he's seen is you know visa bills yeah um so I think, you know, I think if he, if he had the opportunity to go to a team and be a factory rider or as factory as we have at this point, I think he would take that. But to answer your original question, if he comes back in a team owner role, I, I think he's got exactly what he wants. I mean, he's got his new big truck. He's got his bikes. He's got everything in order to, to, to get a further jump. You saw how quickly he started this year off with a full off season behind him, whereas the year before was such a rush job. So you saw that he started on the right foot, had some issues in the middle and kind of finished on the right foot too. So I think he would pick up and go straight into next year um, if he's in exi- his existing situation, um, you know, ready to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think if he hadn't have broken the bike in half where, you know, with that crash at Ridge um, that was crazy. I mean, for that swing arm to have happen what it did and, and uh, some other little things that he had along, along the year, but you're right. It's like, he, you know, he, you think a, a rider takes crashing personally. Well, boy, he sure does take it personally. Um, I think we're a ways away from it, but you think about him and, and also about David Anthony, I wonder you expect probably these two guys are probably going to be maybe team owners at some point point down the road, and if not team owners, maybe principals involved in teams because they've managed teams so long, but I I often wonder, and I'm not saying if, you know, for Kyle and Aussie Dave listening here, if they do, I certainly am not saying you guys need to hand it on to a younger rider, but it just seems like there's going to come a time where these guys may be having a a rider that rides for their team, and um, they've got such a, a solid infrastructure built that it'll be interesting to see as we go on and as Moto America develops even more who that might be. And, you know, it's, it could be a writer we don't even know about yet because they haven't even arrived on the scene yet. But um, it's, it's really cool that like for Kyle, and again, with Aussie Dave, the fact that they're doing this stuff, it, it's only going to help them in the future. It's only going to help us in the future too, to have more people that have a familiarity and understanding with how to build a team and, and uh, you know, keep it going through a season. So that's another aspect of it that I look forward to a lot. And, you know, same thing we, this situation that we went through the year before before last year with everybody thinking, oh, my God, you know, Yamaha factory is gone, uh, Yoshimura, Suzuki, all that kind of stuff. Well, we had a pretty darn good season, and it, it, for all t- intents and purposes, except for the way things went with COVID and all that, it looked pretty much the same. I mean, it was, it, you know, it was Cameron dominating more than he had because Garrett wasn't around and Bobby Fong stepped up. But for the most part, it seemed like a lot of the – the season showed you, you wouldn't know it. You would you wouldn't really know that that those teams are not and they still are connected to their respective factories, of course. As as is Kyle and as is Celtic HSBK Racing, they showed how much they're connected to Ducati with getting Lorenzo Zanetti to come in and with what Zanetti did at the end of the year. I fully expect him to be back
0: next year with that team. Don't do you think that's going to happen, Paul? I would imagine. I think that. I think it comes down to those guys, you know, at the end of, at the end of the season, they were talking about having two bikes in this series next year. I think if there's two bikes in the series next year, I, I can't imagine him not having a very good shot at riding one of those. Right. Um, I know, I think they were talking about, um, you know, a foreign rider and an American rider, um, whether he would fit the bill as being the foreign rider or, if they would classify a Tony as the foreign writer, I think these days, I don't think anybody actually categorizes Tony as a foreign writer anymore. I think they would just right. consider him as he could he could fit right in as the American on that team, you know? Yeah. But yeah, and, and then back to your 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 the start of this little conversation was about the the fact that uh you know not much changed for the series, not having that direct factory involvement that they'd had in the past and you know we we're all worried about that and the fans were all up in arms and we spent a lot of time on social media you know defending it or, or talking <laughs> about it at least and, and really it was much ado about nothing because you know they, they all went faster than they'd ever gone before and you know Cameron has lap records at every single track and he just got to the point where this was just his time I mean you've, you've seen it you've seen it a you've seen it before where a guy just suddenly takes a step to the next level that the other guys don't take. And Cameron took that step and he worked, it worked out really well with him, with Richard and in the electronics package that he was able to put, you know, put into, uh, into Cameron's bike. And it just, his confidence just grew and grew and grew to the point where I think the confidence that he built this year and the success that he had this year is what is what allowed him to talk himself into the fact that he should leave and go to Europe. If he would have had another year where he wasn't dominant, you know, maybe he won the championship and won half the races and somebody else won half, I think he'd still question himself that maybe it wasn't the time to go. But I think this year just firmly showed him and everybody else that's like, okay, this guy is 100% ready to go. And if he, if he goes there and he's not successful, then he would have never been successful there. You know, I mean, it's right. like, there's no better time than now. And then now he just has to, uh, he just has to go over there and then do what he can do. And I mean, I'm very confident in his abilities. I'm very confident in the way that he knows how to race a motorcycle. I think he's more than happy to get his elbows out and push his way through when he needs to. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I, there's nothing about MotoGP I don't like um i watch him i watch the races religiously mostly live even if it requires me getting up at 5 a.m and i think it's just going to be it's going to be awesome to have uh to have cameron in that series with joe roberts and i think it's just going to it's going to make the popularity of the series even bigger in the u.s and that's going to help everybody
1: yeah i mean i think about the year in well 2009 when when Ben Spies was winning all those races in world superbike that was for me i think the most interested i ever was in world superbike and i'm i'm still i'm still interested but i mean i just hung on every moment and certainly it's going to be like that with with Cam Cameron you know Joe Roberts has been that way too for us but you know Cameron on that team and it's just raising the 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 awareness of that you know what Garrett did this year in world superbike made us more interested I think than than ever before on in that series, so it's just nice to see that, and and it's of course great that it's the it's what we've wanted. It's the formula of of Moto America to get these riders on a world stage, and and uh, it's just it's so cool to be able to see that and then have them go over there and do some stuff. I mean, my gosh, what, what Garrett Gerloff did last weekend was incredible. And I was thinking we didn't, we didn't even talk about this, Paul, but the mechanical problem that Rossi had, it was almost kind of good. I mean, that Garrett didn't get out in that race and have the disappointment of having the bike break or something like what happened to Rossi, but um, it kind of was a perfect weekend for him to kind of go in and show what he could do in the time he had in sketchy conditions. And, and then, you know, hand the keys to the kingdom back over to the goat and and watch from afar and then kind of look at it and go, well, I, the bike may have broken for me too. So, you know, maybe they'll have, maybe they'll call on me next time or or in the
0: future. So yeah. Looking at that <clears throat> looking at that whole thing for Garrett, I don't think anything could have been more perfect than the way that it was. Even though he wanted to race the bike, he wanted more time on the bike, I think I think the way that it all played out was just perfect because it's like he it's like they got a taste of Garrett Gerloff that makes them want more Garrett Gerloff, if 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 that makes any sense. It's like you yep. get, get a little yep. bit of ice cream, but then you don't give him any more. The next day, they want twice, they, they want that ice cream again. And I think Garrett, Garrett teased them enough where he didn't make any mistakes. He was very fast. They couldn't, from top to bottom in that paddock, nobody could speak more highly of somebody than what they were speaking of, of Garrett by, by Friday night or Saturday. Um, he got an incredible amount of publicity and every single bit of it was good. Now he can go back and have a good season of world Superbike, And I have a feeling that he will get a phone call at the end of next year that will possibly put him in moto GP. And most, most of that has just come from the impression that he made on everybody, you know, on that Friday in Spain last week. And so I think it was absolutely ideal the way that it played out. Even to the fact that I wanted to see him race. I know he wanted to race but it's almost kind of cool that he didn't, didn't get to go any farther than what he did because not that he would have made any mistakes, but it didn't even give him the opportunity to, to ruin perfection. If, if that, if you, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, so when at uh, Laguna Seca, when Cameron Bobier had, you know, they gave his, Cameron is going away gift Yamaha with the plaque to commemorate his, what he's had done for that brand and at that on that team. And then he signed a contract with uh, American Racing. And afterwards, I had asked him, you know, do you think that there's, this is a more direct path going through Moto2? And, you know, he didn't deny the fact that he wanted to race in World Superbike. That was what he wanted to do. But it just, the doors started closing and this one opened and it seems like a pretty direct path. You're only one notch below MotoGP. But then I got to thinking about guys who have gone from World Superbike into MotoGP and it hasn't happened a lot. I mean, you think about, you know, obviously Johnny Ray comes up as, as one to, to think about, it hasn't happened a lot lately, I should say it, it has in the past, obviously, but it's kind of funny because I, to your point, I really think for, for Garrett to cross over to MotoGP, show what he could do. He's absolutely in line to, to have something happen with, with uh, MotoGP and, and with Yamaha and probably, I don't know, probably sooner than maybe even Cameron again. I don't know. But for both those guys, their, their stock is,
0: is very high right now for on the, on the world stage. That's well, I sure. think it just goes to show that you never know. If you would have told me at the beginning of this year that Garrett was going to go and, do, and have a World Superbike season like he had, I would have said 100%. That's sort of along the lines of what I expected. I thought by the end of the year, he'd be fighting for, if not on podiums. And he did that. If you would have told me that he would have it, he would have been suddenly hot property in the MotoGP paddock, I would have been like, okay, no, he's going to have to have a really good second year of World Superbike to get noticed. But it just goes to show what a guy who's put himself in the right position. Um, he had the right sponsors. He was in the right country. He he was just in the. Per- it was the perfect case scenario for for that guy to get a shot at something that he may never have gotten a shot for. And he took perfect advantage of it, and now he's. He, you look at him as as potentially in two years being in MotoGP, be based on based on what he did in one day of of, of riding. So it's 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 really cool. But I think back to what you were saying originally. It's like yeah, is Moto two a more direct path to MotoGP? I think it is, and and that's just based on on you know every year you see you know two. Yeah, you see two or sometimes three of the top Moto 2 guys go right to uh, to MotoGP, where you're not seeing that from World Superbike. So it's easy to deduct that that's how it works, and I think that could be, you know, th- that's obviously the path that 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 we are all hoping and that Cameron's hoping for from him is that he does really well in Moto 2 and gets a shot at Moto GP. I mean, how how crazy would it be if in a couple of years both those guys are in MotoGP? I mean, we'd be losing our freaking minds because there's nothing like for, for you and I, for example, it's even more so because we've known those guys forever and, and, you know, we consider them friends, but even just to be able to watch, if you're an American to be able to watch an American that you've seen race all these years and have somebody to actually like feel like you're on the bike with them. You know what I mean? Like there's a connection there. I think that, 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 that's just a great feeling that we've just lacked, you know, back, back to the days of, you know, Kenny Roberts Jr. or after that Ben Spees where you actually you know there's a guy that you're watching even if even if he's in 10th place you're staring at the screen counting spots to see where where he is and and it makes it it makes a huge difference and it just makes it so much more fun than watching a bunch of guys that you don't really have any kind of connection for you have respect for them but you don't have any of that connection.
1: Yeah, that's right. Hey, I want to transition back to Moto America again and talk about a rider that we haven't mentioned one of the superbike riders. And there's, there's a lot of unknowns going into this, this next season with him. And it's Josh Heron. And the reason I want to bring him up specifically is I, for some reason, Steve Scheibe gets in touch with me a fair amount. He says that it's when he's ha- when he's got windshield time. Um, and it took him a long time to get back home from uh Laguna Seki had some mechanical problems and all kinds of things. So he was talking quite a bit about, you know, what, what's going to happen. And he's sort of waiting to see what Josh Heron is going to do. And And Steve has openly admitted he kind of has to look at what sort of Yamaha, what attack's going to do. And then what ha- Team Hammer M4 uh, X-Star Suzuki is going to do and then sort of see where he's at for the playing field among riders and Steve's had a lot of different writers on that team. Obviously he said, he's had Jake Gagne he had Danny S he had Sylvain Barry a few years ago. And, um, you know, he's, he's had a fair number of riders. but he had a good season, all things considered with Josh Heron this year, but Josh, never really seemed to be fully committed to the team. I think he was committed to the bike and committed to trying to do as best as he could with it, but it almost seemed like he was either looking over his shoulder or looking ahead to see what the next thing was going to be. And it may not be that he goes somewhere else. I think a lot of people have have positioned him for that second Yamaha ride, just because he is a former Yamaha, uh, Superbike champion and has a lot of history with with Yamaha. But there again, you go. It's not the factory anymore. Although he did race with for Richard Stamboli, so he's got that connection too. Um, or is he going to stay with with Shiby again this year? Uh, Steve has talked about the possibility of getting the new bike. He didn't want to. He he said the new uh, S1000RR, the one that was before this M model. He liked it, but he he kind of said that this M model that they came out with is the one that he was really hoping to have. And and he's made some strides with BMW, both in U, the U.S. and in Munich. And, you know, wants to get – I think he's finally at this stage where he wants to get the newer bikes. So that could be an attraction to, to Heron or another rider there. And he's probably going to have a decent rider. But I, I just wonder, you know, what what's going to happen? It's interesting that – that, that Josh Heron and Tony Elias were teammates on Yoshimura Suzuki, and now they're both, for different reasons, maybe going to be out there looking for other rides. For sure, Tony is, and it looks like Heron is kind of trying to see what's going to go on, too. Do you think I, – I just got to flat out ask you, do you think that Heron's going to take be J- Jake Gagne's teammate next year?
0: Uh, I kind of have that feeling. So do I. Um, It's not really based on anything, um, but it's a pretty good feeling. You know, I've heard some sponsorship issues, some sponsorship stuff. Um, One of the potential sponsors being one of Heron's big sponsors. I would, you know, if 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 a press release came across my desk tomorrow that said that he was going to be on the the second Yamaha, I wouldn't be shocked. With that being said, uh, I, I hope, I, w- I wish Steve would get a new bike. Yes. Um, he knows more about motorcycles than I ever will. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's forgotten he's more about the engineering part and the mechanical part of motorcycle racing than, than I'll ever know. But I do know motorcycle racing, and I can tell you he needs to get a new motorcycle just to enhance the 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 overall look and feel and make his team more available to to different riders because excuse me what what he is now and what he may always be is he's 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 the team that the the guy who doesn't get the factory ride turns to to get a ride yes And, and I think that he could elevate himself above just that role. If, if he's, if, you know, if he got new equipment and, and, you know, I, I think he knows what he's doing. Actually, I know he knows what he's doing and he's got himself a nice little team, but I think they are just, I think they're just beating a dead horse to a point where, you know, if they started with something fresh and they put in the same amount of energy and the same amount of effort and work. That I think they would have more success. And with more success, would I feel bad for him because he gets a rider and the rider, you know, it's like halfway through the year. I, I never understand how you can have a job and openly be talking about, God, I hope I get this other job while still in the job that you have. You know <laughs> what I mean? It'd be like, it'd be like me saying, Oh man, I hope I get that Dorna freaking marketing, that uh, that communications job at Dorna. That's my dream is to just go work for Dorna, right? While I'm in the middle of working for Moto America, I just don't understand how that works. But I think with professional athletes at this level, I mean, obviously you can get away with it because, you know, you know, your value and, and you know what you're capable of getting or what have you. But, to, you know, I've obviously made a, a, a long story longer, but yeah, I think Josh Heron could end up at, at, at Yamaha and I wish Steve Shibe would get himself a new bike because I think it would elevate his, uh, his team in the paddock.
1: Well, I mean, look at, you think about Celtic HSBK racing. I mean, of course, they they got a course bike, a true super bike, and a, and a quality rider. And, you know, they were doing fine with Stock 1000. I mean, they had their issues with the whole thing with PJ and and what happened with his his uh, burns that he sustained in the crash and all that. But that instantly elevated that team. I mean, for them to, you know, be on the podium and win a race and everything that was going on there, it was like, if if, to your point, if they got... Uh, a bike that was a little bit more pointier, pointier on the sharp end and was up front more, he'd get a lot more credibility for sure. And, and it's a massive investment. It's huge. I mean, the cost, especially the MSRP of that M1000 RR versus like a brand new 2020 um, uh, you know, R1 or 2000, 2021 R1. There, there's a huge discrepancy in price there. It's obviously an expensive motorcycle, but he chooses to follow that because he likes to be sort of the other guy with that other bike. Um, I kid him sometimes and say, okay, I understand your last name's German, but you know, you used to be a Harley guy. So what's with this penchant for having German motorcycles? He goes, I don't know. I just like them. So let's hope, yeah, to your point, he gets a he gets a new one. He gets a good rider on there and makes does, does some uh, damage this year. It'd be nice to see because this is, if not twenty twenty one, then I don't know what year. As we've said, it's it's going to be, I think, one of the greatest years ever in in uh, Moto America's uh, history, not to mention recent history of AMA Superbike for sure.
0: Yeah, and the and the Celtic HSBK guys. I mean, they spent the money. Yep. Um, they. Sp- they did the full spend they've got the full factory treatment that you pay for um, and that you're able to pay for when you make the purchase on the motorcycle they did everything that they needed to do they feel or felt i think they feel that they or they, they potentially already have it they have a big sponsor on the line and they knew that if they spent that money put in the effort and went to those last three or three races um, with a rider that they thought could do the job that they could make it so that that sponsorship would have sponsor would have a difficult time saying no, whether or not that's happening for them right now. I have no idea, but I mean, they did exactly what they needed to do. They came in and they got podiums and they got a victory and they showed what the bike's capable of, what that, what that team's capable of. And, and, you know, hopefully they, uh, they come through and get the sponsor and and have two, two bikes on the grid next year, because it's just, you know, it's a, that'd be a big thing for our series. Yeah, I'd be, it'd be really good.
1: And, and uh, I,
0: you know, I can hardly
1: wait. And like you said, it's, it's going to be a pretty short season, short off season by comparison. Um, And it looks like uh, I think from, didn't, didn't MotoGP put out their provisional calendar that did have CODA on it? Is that right? Or was that?
0: No, they did. Yeah. They they had CODA on there in April. Um, And that's obviously a round that we would go to if MotoGP um, does go. And I mean, I mean, that's a, <clears throat> that's not that far away considering how the world is still with covid you know yeah oh yeah no with that with that for sure i yeah. think they showed that they i think they showed much like us that they're capable of putting on a championship but they also showed that they're capable of putting in a cha- on a championship that's held within europe because <clears throat> i think the international travel all the people and equipment that they're moving around just makes it very difficult for them to to do international, you know, overseas events. Um, but again, that's just going to come down to, I think, you know, what the situation is worldwide with, with the pandemic.
1: Yeah. I, you know, just, I know we've been on a while. We're going to have to wrap this up, but one of the things this is, this is not even, this is talking about COVID, not really about racing too much, but <laughs> I heard somebody say something today and I think you could, you'll probably identify with this too. It seemed like 2020 consisted of, Longest month of March that had ever happened. And then suddenly here we are in November. (laughs) It was
0: like like we
1: we were all trying to figure out what's going to happen next last spring. And then before you know it, we're through the summer, we have a whole season. And here we are at the end of the year hoping for a vaccine and to get 2021 started off with, you know, non COVID and just go back
0: to normal and and being regular. So it's just funny how that perception is. No, you're totally right. It's like, I remember, you know, just being stuck at home in March and and we had it easier than than most of the world right? Um, that we weren't locked down for, you know, what must have seemed like forever for them. But I remember like, I remember like wanting to get a haircut so badly and I couldn't get a haircut. And then now it seems like, oh my God, I got to get another haircut. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, it just kind of shows like you just how how different things are. And it, it also just makes me realize, looking back on it, that we we're able to do what we did with this season. Everybody got to keep their jobs. Um, everybody in the paddock were able to work. The riders were able to race. Careers were advanced because of what we were able to accomplish at our series. And to think that there was the potential for none of that to happen. Yeah. I mean, I was seriously worried um, going into the year with the pandemic, and I even brought this up to Garrett Gerloff, and I, I probably shouldn't have. I'm like, what happens if, like, you know, you lose this year in your career? I mean, these guys don't have long careers. Right. Uh, Garrett Gerloff could have potentially lost his first year of competing in the World bike Championship, which would have set him back an entire year. And look what how his year turned out because of the fact that they were able to race. And, and look, at, look at how Cameron Bobier's life has potentially changed because he was able to race in Moto America this year. And if, right. if, if none of that would have happened, we would have been starting this coming year with like, it, who knows what would, would have been in our laps, you know? But to think of how well it turned out in such horrible times, I mean, it's, it's something to be proud of. And, and obviously Richard Varner and, and the other partners, Wayne and Chuck and Terry, I mean, they play a huge role in making sure that it was like, no matter what, as long as everyone can stay healthy, we're going to get through this championship and we're going to make it the best championship we can possibly make it. And that's exactly how it turned out. And, it, and if, you start, if you start digging deep into this, this whole thing and seeing how people's lives would have been different, it's just it's a great thing that, that everything worked out and, and fell into place the way that it did.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny, we're going to look back at this year, 2020, in years, years ahead, and just think about, wow, that, that's incredible how that happened. I mean, like I said at the top of the the podcast, you know, we did end up with nine rounds and, and 20 full Superbike races this year, and all the races were uh, scheduled and run in all of our other classes. Plus, we had Mini Cup and uh, King of the Baggers and Heritage Cup. We actually added a lot to our program and are going to have even more stuff next year that we're excited to talk about. So, um yeah all things considered it was it was an amazing year and I you know we can't deny there was some luck involved but there was also a lot of hard work by a lot of people and some determination as well along the way so um and a bunch of
0: great riders that were committed to you know being the best they could be so it is it, it was a good year for sure yeah unbelievable really when you think about it cuz uh not much else went right in the world but uh we were able <laughs> to get it done and get it done well so yeah Hey,
1: so I think we're pretty much at the end here. I usually do a little bit of a wrap up and, and try to get people to, uh, you know, subscribe to Moto America live plus, but what we're trying to get people to do now is just go to our Moto America channel on YouTube. Uh, just go to YouTube and there's a lot of races on there that we're putting up on that, that channel and great chance for every people to watch races in their entirety. Uh, and you can keep watching racing all season, all off season long leading into next year and um, you know it 's funny to look back we were doing some posts this uh, today about the two thousand and seventeen season, and I started looking back at those results and I was like wow that 's only a couple of a few years ago, but it 's amazing how how much things have changed and advanced, and you know who was doing what back then and and uh it 's just funny it's fun to have an archive of of races and historical uh significance within our series in only six short years. So I, that's one of the things I just wanted to get in there. Just, you know, tell the fans, ha, have you fans out there to, thanks for listening to this podcast, but also definitely go to, uh, you, our YouTube channel, Moto America's YouTube channel, and, and check out all the racing that we have there that you can t- look at whenever you like. So
0: awesome. Well, good day. De- good job today, Sean. And, uh, too. We'll get a guest on here next week and, uh, and have at it with those guys. But in the meantime, um, enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend and we'll chat again soon. Sounds good, Paul. Thank you.